I should know how to do this by now. So I'm really excited uh, to be here. Um, and so I figured I would just start with two things. One is an incriminating photo of myself here from these college days. Tried the long hair thing. It was probably a bad idea. Um, and so I just wanted you to see that so that you know that um, everything that happens after this with stories of Zach is at least, you know, that's what you have. Your, your day's coming where you're going to see your pictures. This is my photo from being at Central, and uh, yeah, it's not my favorite anymore. But um, so, but Pastor Zach, yeah, he, uh, I've got stories about him. Uh, I, we spent <coughs> three years of college together. We spent eight and a half years on staff at MacFree together. Um, so we've spent a lot of time together. Uh, five years ago, uh, I was in Michigan, uh, Cedar Springs, Michigan, right around Grand Rapids, and um, he told all kind. I had him come up and speak. He told all kinds of stories to my then new congregation, and they loved it just a little too much. Um, <clears throat> but I'm patient. I waited five years until all the people who are in regular proximity to him are get to hear my stories about him. And I just want you to know that I'm a treasure trove of stories about Zach. Anytime you want to stop over, I have some. But my example story for this morning, and he's already like, yeah, please know. Um, so we spent a lot of time together uh, at MacFree in the back booth. Uh, we would run sound and, and media together. And uh, one of the things that we did was a, a campus, or excuse me, a, a community worship service. I think it was for Lent or something like that. And uh, we, were, we were in the back running sound, all that kind of stuff. And uh, the pastor spoke, and then his daughter, ran. Uh, she played worship. She played piano and sang. She did a really, really nice job. And we were in the back, and we are all about the same age, right? So Zach and I and, and this uh, piano player that we didn't know real well. And we weren't like young, young like you guys. Like you guys are all still like maybe a little bit like falling in love and in the dating stage. We were way past that. Um, but we weren't as old as we are now. It's probably about time for us to have like a midlife crisis. I got mo my motorcycle. I don't know if you do yet, but we were ready for that. So, um <clears throat> but we were maybe in our 30s, late 20s, something like that, and she, we get all done, and it was a really nice service, and um, she did a really nice job, and what Zach wanted to say to her at the end was, um, that was beautiful, which it was, um, but what came out of his mouth was, you're beautiful, <clears throat> and he didn't really try to fix it, he just kind of kept saying and hoping it would go away, and, and it kind of did, and she, she walked out, we went out into the, to the lobby, and uh, she kind of got a little ways ahead, and I made sure she couldn't hear, and I said, no, you're beautiful. Um, uh, but he, he told this woman with several kids, and he had several kids, and I had several kids, that she was beautiful, and he meant, um, you know, you did a good job. So um, there are other moments, but, but you're welcome. You're welcome. But what I'm trying to say is that I'm around. You know, I'm around to tell stories, but I'm also, I think, around in, in another way that maybe some of your other speakers won't be able to be uh, for you. Um, so I was listening to Pastor Zach's message from a couple of weeks ago when he had chapel here. Um, and, and it occurred to me that there may not be actually a pastor I know anywhere. I know a lot of pastors in a lot of places in the country whom I could recommend to you more as a college student when it comes to his ability to love you all and to relate with you and wherever you might be coming from. I really mean that. I've known a lot of pastors, and he does this incredibly well. You heard his own story two weeks ago. And what I've always appreciated, or maybe honestly not enough, uh, I haven't appreciated enough, is that Pastor Zach doesn't 
forget what it felt like to not know Jesus and then what it felt like to know Jesus. He just doesn't lose sight of that where we come from piece, and that's a gift to you all. It's really not very common. I think you should take advantage of the fact that he's just going to be tracking with you on that. Um, If life has you thinking about Jesus right now, maybe you're thinking about how nice it would be if someone would listen to you and for once in their life give you the benefit of the doubt. Well, that's something that God does through Pastor Zach and Spades. And, And I know that there are a number of people on this campus who are really good about that too. They don't care where you're coming from. They just want you to, to know that you're loved and, and that there's, there's more, right? Um, so I thought I'd try it and, and help you maybe to get your head around this morning how I might be of some benefit anyway to you as a pastor who works just right across the street from you, um, who's uh, around more than just to throw under Zach, Zach under as many buses as possible. Um, if Zach is just incredibly gifted at meeting you where you're at, Um, relating to you where you're coming from, uh, I think my passion at least might be that I can't stop thinking about where we're all heading in the faith. And and Zach does that as well. He's one of the best disciplers I know, but I'm always thinking about where are we going, where are we heading. In college, um, if you're doing it right, you're going to have to do some of both of those things. It's just that kind of a transitional milestone in your life. You're taking stock of where you've been, and where you're headed kind of all at the same time. It's just a big shift. And forward is where I'm always thinking. I'm always wanting to strain ahead and see the possibility in in things, in in people. I'm assuming God put people, including myself, um, where they are at any given moment for a reason, for a purpose. And, And I'm just waiting for that other shoe to drop where I can find out why. Why am I here? Why are you here? Find out what he's doing and where he's taking things. I, I get obsessed with stuff like that. So this morning, as you all keep talking this semester about what it means to not just be a fan of Jesus, but to be a follower who puts themselves on the court, you know, on the field uh, of the faith, I want to point toward a particular aspect of how we can do that, all right? Um, so our goal, I don't know if you know this or not, I spent a lot of years in, in adult discipleship, so Zach was always working with younger people, and I was working with a little bit older people, um, but our goal, if, if this is something that hasn't been clear to you before, our goal as we grow up in life, as we grow up in our faith, is that we would all stop being preoccupied by less important stuff and shift our focus and our training and our our discipline of ourselves to becoming an active participant in this hugely sprawling story that Scripture tells. This is our story, too. It's still happening, and you can find yourself in it. And it's a story of a God who knows things are all busted up. He, He knows that what we're living isn't the way things are supposed to be, but who is actively and presently moving things forward every single day, every single moment toward an ultimate victory where things won't be that way one day. Where one day everything becomes better than it ever was, even at the Garden of Eden. And I don't know if you know that, but that's our goal. That's where we're headed. And I personally can't help but be captivated with seeing as much of what part he wants me to play as absolutely possible, which means being filled with God's 
spirit. It becomes an inescapable point of engagement for me to be filled with his spirit. I want to know him however I can possibly know him because he's got a hold of the pen or the, the keyboard or whatever a God uses to, to write this sprawling story we're all in. He knows where every one of us is going today, tomorrow, and for the rest of our life. I want to know that. I want you to know that. If you got your Bible or your Bible app, if you turn over to John chapter 14 with me quick, this is, um, so if you're not real familiar with the Bible, it's kind of the last third of, of the Bible. It's uh, in the New Testament. It's the fourth book from the beginning of the New Testament, all right? Um, and I don't have time to tell, uh, again, the most incriminating stories about Zach today, and I don't have time to go heavy-duty Bible study uh, in this passage this morning. But I do want to give you enough to hopefully make you a little bit hungry. John 14, verse 10 uh, Jesus is talking here. He's talking to his disciples about all this really important stuff that has to do with God the Father, all right? It has to do with who Jesus is as God the Father's Son. And then he's just about to throw them kind of this unexpected breaking ball after, after they have all put themselves completely in his hands. He's got these disciples. They, they're, they're not going anywhere. They're following him. They're giving themselves completely over to him. He's going to say some things that are probably going to feel like the bottom's just dropping out of their life, all right? And so this is John 14, beginning in verse 10. It says, Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I speak, Jesus says, are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or at least believe, because of the work you have seen me do. So Jesus, I think it's important for us to remember and to understand that Jesus only has a group of disciples to talk to in the first place in this passage because he has, they have seen him doing stuff that nobody else has seen before. Uh, he has a band of followers because he's been talking crazy talk in their ears for long enough with enough evidence backing all of those words up that they are now drinking the Kool-Aid, all right? They truly believe this guy is real, he's legit, and, and because he knows they are with him already, they've already come this far, he's telling them why, how he's been able to say all these things and do all these things, all these miraculous things that, that he's been saying and doing. How, did, how, how does that happen? And he says it's because... He and the Father are completely intertwined with one another. They are one. That's why all these things can even happen in the first place. Jesus' words are that powerful and that penetrating because they're the words of the one and only God, the Father of all of us. And so he's saying, what y'all are seeing in me is the activity of God working through me. I want to come back to this whole father Part in just a little bit, but for now, let's continue on into verse 12. He says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So here's something that's really key when it comes to being spirit-filled, okay? 
Um, you may think that you're pretty talented. You may know people who are pretty talented, pretty smart, pretty strong, pretty good looking, whatever that is. And, and that whatever it is that you believe gives you a leg up on some of the rest of the world may indeed be impressive. I'm not arguing that at all. Now, I think it's impressive oftentimes, but it's impressive because God gifted you with that. So, like, we don't really get to brag about that. That's a whole other sermon. But no matter how impressive that impressive thing in you is or in some other person is, it cannot even begin to compare with what God can do with you when he fills you and he empowers you with his Holy Spirit. And I say that because I've seen too much in my life already. I'm 41 years old, and I've been able to witness some things that God does when his spirit is filling his people. I've seen miraculously, uh, people miraculously healed of these diseases, both of their bodies and of their minds. I've seen it again and again and again. Sometimes it's been right in front of my eyes. I've seen demons cast out of people. I've been in on that kind of stuff. It's real. I've watched completely convinced atheists turn around on a dime and realize, oh my goodness, this is for real. I, I know of people who've been raised from the dead. This is all not a joke. We don't know what life can really be until we surrender the feeble little sandbags of our arguments of, of why God couldn't possibly when we surrender our sandbags to the flood of his power and his love that only wants to see us live life all the way. And not just in this tiny little box that the world builds for us called my best life. If you can live that, that's fine, but you're not even scratching the surface. There is no comparison between a spirit-filled life and a self-empowered one. No comparison. We don't even know exactly who we really are until our Father reveals it to us through His Holy Spirit. I just left, I, I said, for, for Michigan about six and five and a half, six years ago, and I went and did things, and I didn't know if I could do any of that stuff, and I found out I had gifts I didn't know I had, and I found out I didn't have gifts that I thought I had, but we don't know who we are until the Father reveals it to us. The Jesus of Scripture just said that His followers will do the same kinds of crazy stuff that he did, and greater. I've got stories I can tell about that sometime, too, but for now, look at verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commands. If you love me, obey my commands. It's not heavy-handed. If you love me, just do it. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as, as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. 
chapel isn't long enough, y'all. Um, Jesus has been talking to his disciples for just a while before this passage about the fact that he will soon die. He's going to be crucified. He has to go away. And then he'll, he talks in a couple of more chapters, more in depth about needing to leave, and they're struggling about that. But here in John 14, he's saying he's sending another advocate. Did you pick up on that? Another one. That means that Jesus' followers up to this point know they've come to rest their whole weight on this conclusion that he is in their corner. Jesus is in their corner. I don't know if you're getting that out of this too. Like he's the other advocate here. He's been their first advocate. And there's another advocate called the Holy Spirit who's soon to come for them. Jesus has won these people's hearts. He's been walking with them. He's been doing life with them. And, and, and then when they put their trust in him, he, he does right here. He starts pointing uh, to the Father. He starts pointing them to the Father. He starts pointing them to the Holy Spirit and saying that the person they have become convinced is everything in their life, him, is completely intertwined with these two other persons. And, and that if they can make that leap of faith that that the Holy Spirit and that the Father are just like how I am. They're not only going to be okay when he leaves, they're going to be unstoppable. In my name. Did you pick up on that part? In my name. You can ask for anything in my name, Jesus says. And what he means is, in the spirit of the way you watched me carry myself. Jesus is saying, yes, ask for anything in my name, trusting me. That in the ways you have become completely convinced that I will always have your back, asked in that spirit of trust, and there isn't anything I won't do. He says, look, I gotta go, but I won't abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you're gonna see me. Send the Holy Spirit. He had said before that the world cannot receive him, meaning the Holy Spirit, because it isn't looking for him. He's there all the time, but if we're not looking for him, we'll never see him. And so it doesn't recognize him. But you know him, he says. <clears throat> sort of my accumulated sense of trust that I've been able to build up over the years with God's help um, and my learning to look for the Holy Spirit in so many things, ever so slowly learning to recognize him when he's doing something. I have a long ways to go in that. But but what I have accumulated over these years tells me that he is here right now in a way that is breaking through the fog that we all accumulate in this really messed up world. I think in even just the tiniest of ways, everyone here seeing him, sensing him, maybe hearing from him right now. I can't tell you what in what way, but I do believe he's seeking you right now, even if you've never sought him. He wants to empower you, like I talked about before, give you that kind of power. And as you keep <clears throat> kind of reading the New Testament, you'll find out that he wants to transform us, too. Especially the parts in us that are just contributing to the chaos that messed you up and that messes everybody else up. All the twistedness of the world, we add to that. He wants to fix that. He wants to transform that. When he does that, that is, is the movement of that holy part of the Holy Spirit. But what is so powerful about both the empowering 
part of what he does in the transforming part of who he is is that he works both of those things into our life, kind of like like kneading some dough, kneading things into the dough for bread. He does it through these unmistakable little epiphanies he gives each of us that shows us in no uncertain terms. He's like, hey, I know you. I know you. Get you. The reason I get you is because you've always been mine. I need you. The Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Jesus, that's what he's talking about this whole time. I'm going to be with you because my Spirit's going to be with you. The Spirit who communicates and mediates to us the heart of our true Father is saying that no matter where and even who you're coming from, in terms of earthly circumstances or your biological background, you're not near as much theirs as you're mine. I see you, I get you, I know you. Some of y'all don't have a father who even remotely resembles the kind of father that he is. And that has messed you up. I wish it hadn't. But unfortunately, I've been in ministry long enough to know that it happens all the time. And it is such a barrier, knowing whoever your father was, or maybe not knowing who your father was, and then comparing him to God. You're like, ah, I'm good. I don't need that, right? It breaks your real father, your true father's heart to know that that's what you've been given by him. He's saying, I made you. I made you, so that means I get you. And so that means that I love who you are, how you're put together. You're not some big mystery to me. I made you. I get you. I love you. You are fully known. Nobody else will ever get you like that. I think when we're young, we think, well, you know, as I marry this person, no, spouses are great, family members, good friends are great, but they just can't possibly know you like your father does, okay? And there's nothing but love. There's nothing but Jesus' kind of love that he has for you. This morning I want to close with a song, and and I pray it resonates somehow. Um, God wants you to be empowered. He doesn't make creation designed to be less than themselves. But you are in a position to see that from where you stand. See it. You got to trust him with that. Y'all are in a challenging season of life. You're expected to know things, huge things about life, what's coming in the future that you can't possibly know, at least not fully. But if we could all, and that's old people like me included, if we could all just rest in the fact that it isn't what we know that matters, but that we're known. We're known completely. We would walk in peace. We would walk in a power that is truly unbelievable. So I'm going to play this song, You Do Whatever You Need to Do to Connect with the Lord this morning. Get low to the ground if you need to. Get, get out of your seat. Get wherever you need to be to to engage this nearness of his spirit that is here. I'm a firsthand witness of the mind-blowing things that can happen when you say, here I am, Lord. Do what you want to do. Amen? So know this morning that you are loved.
that you are fully known by your Father. That God loves you more than you could ever imagine. He loves you with a love that has no beginning and no end. It's a love that you don't have to earn and that you can never lose. Whether you feel righteous or guilty, he loves you. Whether you feel alone or surrounded by people, he loves you. He loves you enough that he sent his son, Jesus, to live for you, to die for you, and to be raised for you. This is the most true thing about you. Before anything else can be said, this must be said. You are loved and fully known by God. So don't forget it. Grace and peace be with you. Have a great week.